0: Chapter Ten of the Forgery by George Payne Rainsford James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten. Time, the great wonder worker, had done much in his own particular way with Lady Anne Mellent during the last ten years. When Henry Hayley had quitted England, she was a gay, decided, clever little girl, somewhat spoiled by her mother, but more reasonably treated by her father for whom she had a deep and devoted affection and much respect she had then been very small for her age and being a year or more younger than maria monckton had looked at least four or five years her junior for maria at thirteen had been not much less in height than she was at two or three-and-twenty lady anne indeed had not at that time taken her start Everything has its start in the world, and very few things go on with quiet progression. But especially in boys and girls, there is generally a period at which they make a great and sudden rush towards manhood or womanhood, and that period is often preceded by one of great inactivity of development. Much greater, then, was the difference in Henry's eyes between the Lady Anne of the present and the past, than between the Maria of the present and the past, and when the former entered, as he sat beside Miss Monkton, he was surprised to find so little that had any hold of memory in the young and graceful woman who appeared. Lady Anne Mellent was not very tall, indeed, but still she was somewhat above the middle height of woman. She might be five feet four, or perhaps a little more but formed with great delicacy small in the bones and slight rather than thin she seemed less in height than she really was nevertheless her figure was of course greatly changed since henry had last seen her the child had become a woman and the features then round and barely developed were greatly altered for though still delicate and beautiful they were now clearly defined and chiselled her dress was somewhat peculiar for over the ordinary mourning habit of the time she wore a light silk tunic bordered with rich and beautiful fur and on her head instead of a bonnet was a sort of polish cap trimmed with the same skin on her hands were thick doe-skin gloves or gauntlets with flaps almost to her elbows and her tiny foot was lost in a fur chew ushered in at once she paused the moment after she had crossed the threshold in surprise at the sight of a gentleman seated tete-a-tete with her fair friend but the next moment she advanced to maria and kissed her with sisterly affection maria was somewhat embarrassed and the trace of tears was still upon her cheek but she gracefully introduced colonel middleton to her fair visitor and lady anne turning towards him surveyed him with a rapid glance from head to heel bowing her head as she did so and merely saying ho there was something rather brusque in her tone which did not altogether please henry and served further to embarrass maria whose bosom was too full of emotions to suffer her to exert that command over her demeanour which she usually possessed and in order to carry off the appearance of agitation and to account for the presence of a stranger she proceeded to explain to lady anne that colonel middleton had brought her a letter from her cousin charles and none for me exclaimed the fair lady in a gay and jesting tone "On my word that is too bad but charles marston and i are certainly the two rudest people in the world do you not think so colonel middleton now that you know us both no indeed replied henry i do not think the term applicable in either case marston is certainly not a man of ceremonies and i have not yet-oh fine speeches fine speeches exclaimed lady anne when will men have done with fine speeches but to fix you to the point first do you not think when a gentleman has promised to a lady to write to her every month giving her the whole account of his travels and does not write that it is very rude well charles marston promised me to do so when we parted in rome and i have not heard a word of him since you never told me you had seen him in rome said maria with some surprise a slight blush fluttered over lady anne's cheek as she answered did i not well love i dare say something prevented me "'I do not know what, and shall not stop to inquire. "'Now, for my second point, Colonel Middleton, "'do you not think it very rude for a lady, "'and a young lady, too, who should, of course, "'be full of prim propriety, "'to stare at a gentleman for full two minutes "'when she is first introduced to him? "'Maria, dear, will you order me a cup of coffee "'or a glass of wine or something? "'For I am either quite mad or very ill.' Or very happy or very something and she sank quietly and gracefully into a large armchair near and covered her eyes with her gloved hands you are indeed very wild said maria ringing the bell but lady anne did not answer till the servant had come and gone while henry and maria exchanged looks of doubt and surprise some wine and some biscuits were brought and the servant again retired but lady anne did not rise speak or uncover her eyes till maria really alarmed lest she should be ill touched her gently on the arm saying dear anne here is the wine pray take some are you ill no 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 said lady anne i will not have any i will do better she withdrew her hands from her eyes as she spoke and there were evident marks of tears upon her cheek you have not answered me colonel middleton she said and i will answer for you it was very rude or rather it would have been very rude had there not been a cause but do you know sir you are so very like a dear friend whom i have lost a friend of childhood and of early days a friend of all who were most dear to me one whom i loved as a brother though I often used to tease him, sadly, and who loved me in the same way, too, though he used to love this dear, beautiful girl here better—that in a moment, when I saw you, the brightest and the sweetest part of life came back. And then I remembered his hard fate and shameful treatment, and I thought I should have gone mad. She paused for a moment and gazed at him earnestly again, and then, starting up, she cried, but what is the use of all this do you not know me do you pretend to have forgotten me i am anne Mellent, henry henry did you think you could hide yourself from me or her and she held out her hand to him warmly henry hayley took it and pressed it in his own saying i cannot and will not attempt to deceive you dear lady anne but yet i must beg you to keep my secret faithfully for some time at least till i have resolved upon my course be sure of that henry replied lady anne thoughtfully your course must be well thought of but i will be one of the council as well as maria nay more she added with a sparkling look as she has had one long conference with you all alone i will have one also it shall be this very night too in my own house here there do not look surprised maria you know my reputation is not made of very brittle materials or it would have been broken to pieces long ago yours is a very different sort of thing you have spoiled it by over-tenderness like a child and made it so delicate that it will not bear rough handling i was resolved that mine should be more robust and therefore set out with accustoming it to everything i do believe that half the mad-headed things i have done in life were merely performed to establish a character for doing anything i pleased they could but say that anne mellant was mad and i took care not to go the length that upable. what were maria monkton's sensations it would be hardly fair to inquire she had often talked with lady anne of henry hayley and had often heard her express the same feelings towards him which were now so openly displayed but perhaps she had listened with more pleasure while they both thought him dead than she did now i do not say that she was in love with him that would be a very serious assertion not to be made without proof the little prince of gods and men does not always wing his way in a direct course and if he was at all busy with fair maria's heart she was quite ignorant of the fact she had thought all her life a good deal about henry hayley it is true she had liked him better remembered him with fonder regard than any one whom she had ever known she had pitied him wept for him and within the last hour she had felt more and stronger emotions on his account than she had ever felt for any one on earth but still all this might be without love the sensations the most decidedly like that passion which she experienced were certainly those which lady anne mellent's affectionate greeting and frank unfearing invitation called up in her bosom she felt inclined to think her friend odder than ever to wish that she was not quite so odd but maria was a frank and generous character and though she could not banish some of woman's weaknesses entirely yet whenever she found them out she felt ashamed of them and tried to repress them why should i be vexed with her conduct just now she asked herself is she not always the same and are not all her eccentricities amiable whether lady anne perceived what was passing in her friend's bosom from the varied expressions which flitted over her countenance or whether she only suspected it from the intuitive knowledge which almost every woman has of woman's heart i cannot tell but after an instant's pause she went on, with a slight toss of her head, saying, "'After all, you know, Maria, at the worst, they could but say I was in love with him, and he with me. And, besides knowing ourselves that it is no such thing, we could soon prove to them that there was not a word of truth in it. So now, Henry, you will come to the lodge, will you not? After dinner, I mean. About nine o'clock?' had intended to return to london to-night replied henry hesitating without seeing me at all exclaimed lady anne that is unpardonable i could punish you if i would henry i could punish you if i would but i will be generous you are mistaken indeed answered henry eagerly i intended to see you as miss monkton can tell you indeed my first visit was destined to harley lodge but she thought I should find no one there but servants. Miss Monckton exclaimed Lady Anne with a gay laugh, do you intend to let him go on calling you that name, Maria? Oh, those prim proprieties! How oh, I hate them! That ten years should make such a difference between people who have been like brothers and sisters all their lives! But I suppose that the human heart is like that stone which is soft enough and easily formed when first dug, but hardens by exposure to the air, he was indeed going to the lodge when I met him accidentally, said Maria, and I did tell him that he would find no one there, for I thought you were in London, whether you were right or wrong depends upon how long he has been with you. Answered Lady Anne with a malicious twinkle of her eyes. The truth is, I drove down with my beautiful ponies about an hour ago, lodged my dear old governess at the rectory. Where she is going to dine stopped at the lodge for two minutes to tell them to get something ready and then came on here with a sort of second sight i suppose and now i will return insisting upon your coming at the time stated and giving me a full account of yourself henry i cannot ask you to dinner not because it would be improper for that i should like beyond everything but because there is nothing in the house i believe but three or four eggs i must go however for it is growing dusk, and those wild young things of mine are as fresh as if they had come out of the stable a minute ago. Henry rose to conduct her to her carriage, but before they reached the door of the hall, Lady Anne stopped, saying, Go on, Colonel Middleton, I want to speak one word more to Maria. And running back into the library, she threw her arms round her beautiful friend, saying, Oh, is not this joyful, Maria? i trust it may prove so for him poor fellow replied maria with a sigh but i have many fears and i none said lady anne but you have thought me stranger than ever dear girl i have seen it all the time but never fear it will all come right i love him very much maria but i am not in love with him i care not what the world says for the world will find itself a fool as it so often does when it sees me his wife's bridesmaid as i intend to be but mind i warn you i intend to do everything that is odd in the meantime so that every one will think but you maria but you that i am making love to him in open day you will not mistake me i think and away she went again, with a gay, light step, leaving Maria Monkton with her eyes ready to run over, under the influence of emotions strange and new. "'What am I feeling? What am I doing?' were questions that flashed through her mind with the rapidity of lightning. But before she could answer them, Henry was again by her side. There was a look of hope and light in his eyes, which agitated her more than before, and she was about to sit down to hide as far as possible her emotion but henry took her hand saying dear maria it is growing dark and i do not think you would wish me to stay longer with you at present but yet before i go for we may not easily perhaps find such a moment of happy privacy for a long time let me say that which some words which have been spoken to induce me to say sooner than i otherwise would have done oh we shall easily find moments to converse replied maria catching at the first pause and making a great effort to delay what she was sure would overcome her nay not so answered henry i must not leave you now doubtful as to any part of my conduct he gazed at her for a moment earnestly tenderly and as by the faint light he saw her eyes cast down her glowing cheek and trembling form he went on rapidly you know me too well maria you judge me and have ever judged me too nobly to suppose that i would seek to bind you to the fate of an exile an outcast or even a suspected man i ask you not to tell me any of your own feelings towards me i ask you not even to say a word of your own situation your heart your hand even may be engaged to some happier man oh no no she cried no the words rushed from her heart burst from her lips without the act of her will but she felt that she had never loved till then and they would be spoken thank god said henry in a low voice and then added well then dearest maria my mind is made up i will cast this load from me i will clear myself of all doubt if it be in human power to do so and if it be done if i stand before the whole world exculpated from all charges but of deep perhaps too deep devotion to a father then i will tell you how henry hayley has loved and thought of you from boyhood till now how he loves you still how he will love you till his last hour you will find that his course has not been dishonourable or inglorious and you shall decide whether he is to be as happy as his boyish dreams once pictured. And now, farewell for the present. He pressed his lips upon her hand, and was departing. But a soft, low, musical voice caught his ear ere he reached the door. "'Henry,' it said. "'Oh, not yet, Henry. Do not leave me yet.' Henry Haley turned at once and seated himself beside her he took her hand and it remained in his and when he at length departed the sky was quite dark but his heart had daylight in itself chapter ten